privilege is all around you. It shows up in your clothes, where you live, the places you frequent, your network capital, and even how you spend your money. It's useless until you recognize it. So it's time to stop feeling guilty and figure out how to use your privilege to make an impact. Welcome to Guilty Privilege. Welcome back to Guilty Privilege. My name is Amber Cabral, and today I have the privilege of introducing you to Savitri Wilson. She is a serial entrepreneur, and many of you may know her for raising lots of money in venture capital. So we're going to talk today about the privilege of venture capitalism and equity in that space. We're also going to cover a little bit about her personally and why she is such a fantastic friend, and I can't wait to jump right in. Okay, Savitri. Hey, friends. Hi. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm happy to be here. I'm very excited. I was telling them earlier, I was like, when you call, I probably had to be the first person to schedule. Listen. I had to be. I want you to know that I was told that everybody rushed my schedule. <laughs> so I don't know if people like really love me or if I'm delayed oh, on asking for things. we really love you. Okay. I felt so loved. I was like, wow, everybody said yes? Oh, uh, yes. So I'm very excited That's that like, you were you able call, to come. We come in. I love that. It just warms my heart, seriously. <laughs> it makes me feel so great. So, I mean, obviously, I'm going to talk to you about some things that lots of people talk to you about, but I'm also going to talk to you about some things that I think are a little fun. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the business of the business, all right, all right? Let's do which it. is you are known for raising money. Mm-hmm. All right. You've raised a lot of money and you've also raised a lot of money in venture cap in the venture capital space where black women are woefully underrepresented. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience has been like and maybe give a few recommendations around things people should consider, especially if they are a black woman trying to fundraise? Well, I'll start by saying it's everything that you read about, mm. particularly when it we're talking about black women. Um, women founders raising capital. You think you read it and people are sensationalizing the headlines? They aren't. Mm. It really is that hard and that brutal to raise capital um, as a black woman. And I remember when I first started off, I raised like a very small pre-seed round of like Mm $400,000. And in that instance, because I had my other company, Solid Ground Innovations, people kind of believed that I could do something else, right? Mm. So they're like, okay, we'll give you a $20,000 check or $15,000 check here and there. And so I collected all these small micro checks from angels, uh, which some people call friends, family, and fools. That's it. Right. (laughs) That's it a lot of times, yes. Right, because, hey, at that point, they really are betting on you you and even after that too uh, when I got to my seed round and now I'm trying to raise uh, millions of dollars Mm -hmm. and we raised two million it was equally as difficult but I would say probably one of my hardest rounds um, because that entered well I would say uh, investors so investors people who actually had raised capital raised funds Mm -hmm. right and they needed Mm -hmm. to deploy that capital in early stage bets but still in bets that they thought they could ultimately win right right? and so I raised this capital and I was going out raising uh, chunks at a time Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until I met a woman in uh, Nashville Tennessee and we started talking and she said I want to introduce you to my partners and 
they ended up putting the largest check in my seed round and it allowed us to completely take it to the next level. Mm. Uh, we would then raise our series A, which was about 8.9 million. And then our series B about 35 million um, in venture capital. And each round really did bring different challenges. And I always say, depending on where you are, say you're in the early stages and you're like, okay, how do I even get going? How do mm -hmm. I get people interested? Yeah. Um, first, you have to ensure that you have a very just tight story yes. and narrative, not only for you as a founder and a CEO, but also around what you're building and why you're the person to build it. Mm. Then you think about what does your pitch look like and the deck in which you present to people. Um, people overlook the idea of design, right? They're like, mm. oh, so throw some PowerPoints together. Yeah. Do not overlook the design and format of your presentation. Mm -hmm. Yes, you wanna ensure that you have the market size, that you have the team, even if it's just you, while you're capable, you want to ensure that you're able to effectively talk about your projections and financials, even if you have none today. Yeah. And so when you think about putting together your pitch deck and what you want to present in front of investors, you in, you wanna ensure that not only are you able to tell a story, that the but presentation is done well, mm -hmm. right? And so when I got to my series A, now we're talking about traction. Mm. And to be honest, as a black woman, we usually have the traction. That's right. Right. Yeah. Like that's something that we do very, very well with very little. Yes. And we were able to present the traction that we had. And for us, we needed to ensure that the investors aligned to where we were going. Mm -hmm. By the time we got to our series B, the market has shifted. Oh. Right. And so now we're in this market where investors are literally not deploying capital. Right. And so the terms are changing, um, how much you're able to raise and how easy you're able to raise, which I will say is never easy. I don't care what market we were in. Yeah. It was never easy to raise as a black woman, but still being able to present um, not only the traction that we have, but where we were going in an effective manner allowed us to raise capital. Yeah. And so if you're in this market and you're thinking about raising capital, uh, you have to ask yourself, one, do I really need capital mm -hmm. right now? And if the answer is yes, how can I show where we are and the next milestone we're gonna get to in the most compelling way? And then also mm -hmm. understand what investors have the money to invest because that's a big piece, right? Some investors right now and funds aren't actually deploying capital. Yeah. And so you might be knocking on their door and they're actually not making investments. How do you how do you know that? Like so first of all there are 70 things I'd like to ask you yes. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but the to, to the last point you just made, how do I know if I'm knocking on the right door? How do I know if they're deploying capital? So I created an Excel spreadsheet, okay. right? Um, and I listed Every investor that invests in my geography, mm -hmm. um, I listed whether or not they were amenable to invest in women and mm. um, black people and had they had individuals that looked like me in their portfolio. Okay. Right. Um, and then I also looked at the category in which they were investing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm enterprise software, software as a service. And so I generally go after investors that their sweet spot is enterprise software. Okay. And so that's the first step that you want to take. And so you pitch to them, say they respond back and you're going to get on the call with these investors 
ideally. Yeah. And by the end of that call, you they're going to ask you questions, but you also need to prepare questions for them. Mm-hmm. And one of them needs to be, are you actively deploying capital right now? Mm-hmm. And then the other is how many investments are you going to make this year? Okay. So, I mean, I, I think those are great tips because people don't often know that they can ask. Yes. I think people <laughs> hesitate to ask questions when you're talking about money. Correct. So just out of curiosity, how did you get to the point where you knew how to ask questions about money? So I, I would say in the space that we're in, it really was practice, okay. uh, just continuously pitching, mm-hmm. but also just immersing myself in the ecosystem and around other founders who mm-hmm. had raised before, who had been there. Um, also, I would spend time listening to podcasts yeah. and what other people were saying. And I began to really learn a space that I didn't come from because mm-hmm. I'm not a technical founder. Um, I didn't go to school for computer science. Um, I don't know how to code. And so tech was actually a new world for me. Gotcha. And everything I know now, I had to learn. Mm-hmm. So I love that. First, I think that there's not enough value put on the fact that you can be excellent in a space that was not innate, that you had to actually work toward it. Absolutely. So that's amazing. The, the second thing I kind of want to touch on based on what you were sharing is there's a lot that goes into this in terms of research. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like one of the things you have to be committed to is doing your research. Yes. Uh, yeah. Discovery is important, not only to launching a new product and a new business, but it's also important to how you're going to communicate um, what I would consider is the validity of the things that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. right? What actually backs you up when you say such and such or your market size is this? Where do you get that from? That's going to be a question that some investors might ask you. Yeah. And you have a lot of resources on your website that help people, too. So in case you don't know, you can go check out SavitriWilson.com and she has some resources that she personally used to help do some of this, right? Yeah. I mean, founders would reach out to me are individuals who wanted to start a company Mm -hmm. and they may have been scared to do so. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start just taking some of the things, my actual decks and my actual uh, presentations. Um, Even for my first company, I have my price sheet. And I will tell you, people to this day still hit me up and they say, I use your price sheet. And I was able to get almost twice as much in my contract. That's amazing. And so I was like, yes, it's working. Listen, use the free (laughs) stuff, okay? There's always free stuff. We don't always take it. So I'm glad that you said that. So what do you think that we need? Um, We were talking about how black women aren't well represented in this space. Mm -hmm. What do you think is necessary to make it more equitable? So I mean, something that you often talk about, Mm -hmm. allies and advocates, right? And the difference between the two, um, because Oftentimes, sometimes, you know, your skin folk, right? That part. Not your kin folk. Not your kin folk. That's right. right. You got to be willing to diversify the folks you're asking. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we have been taught this, and I do think it's true, more diverse fund managers um, equate to more money for black founders and mm. um, others. However, we can't just depend on that. That's right. Right. Um, mm. The Who's writing the checks, like, does matter. 
but we also need for you also to write a check to us, Jim. Yeah, yeah. And Tom. correct. Don't just refer me. Right. Don't refer I me. I want you to also write the I check. I need for you to also write a check. So the thing about being an ally or being an advocate is when you take the action, it encourages others to take the action. Yes. So you referring me to someone is one thing, mm-hmm. but you telling someone I invested in, yes. I am recommending this person for you to invest in, is really going to be the more impactful action. Oh, absolutely. I remember when I was raising my seed round, um, a white investor by the name of Tim Milliken from TPG Capital, which is a large um, PE firm, private equity firm, met up with me for lunch and he said, oh, I'm going to put a check into your company. And it wasn't even a large check. I'm talking mm. about like $35,000, which is not large for right, someone for in private yes, equity, exactly, right? Yes. However, he was writing an angel check into my round and because he his name was on my cap table. Mm-hmm. Literally, it was like a call mm-hmm. to all these other investors. Yes, yes. And others came in with much larger checks because they saw his name That's right. on my cap table. That's right. This is what allyship and advocacy is about. It's using the power you have to be able to influence the change you want to see. Yeah. So just the willingness to say, I'm going to make sure that this shows up this way made all the difference. I love that. Amazing. Okay, I'm going to shift just a little bit. You talk about resilient. We know you also have a book by the same name. Yes. So hop out there and please get Savitri's book, Resilient. Um, but can we talk about how this this came yeah, to life? We can't. We can't. Okay, I will let you right. tell that story. Okay. How about you can tell the story? Yeah, please. Okay. tell. I will let Savitri tell the story about how this book came to life. But you should still go get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is what I talk about when I talk about like women really supporting women and how people say it, but they don't really back it up with actions and how this woman backs it up (laughs) with her actions. She had gotten a book deal and was in conversation with the publisher about uh, more women, getting more black women to the table, right? right. This is back in 2020. Um, We know that the murder of George Floyd, all these things were happening um, and people were coming to the table. What can we do? That's right. And Amber said, I think I have someone that would be a great author for you. That's right. And she introduced me to Wiley, and that's how I published my first um, book with a national publisher. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was your second book. Yes, but my first with a national publisher, and it is a difference. It is a difference. (laughs) It is a difference. It is. Definitely. Yes, and I'm honestly, I think part of that like that behavior, the tactic of being thoughtful about how I refer people, mm-hmm. like that is exactly why I wanted to do this podcast. Absolutely. Because I feel like I know so many amazing people and we tend to think that we can't do anything because they're already amazing. Like right. you are amazing, like already. But I did but- not have no book deal <laughs> in my hand and no one knocking on my door until this woman came. And I would not have otherwise thought about it, right? <laughs> like I would, I could have very easily been like, oh, I'm amazing over here. She's amazing over there. What are we supposed to do? But... I think there has to be some intentionality sometimes to say, okay, wait a minute. I don't have to be the exact same person in the exact same space with the exact same network Mm -hmm. to be able to connect and find points where I can be an asset and you can be an asset and we can ally and advocate for one another. Yes. And the importance of people mentioning your name in rooms that you're not in. Absolutely. That's there that that is the thing please say my name in the rooms please (laughs) wherever you are say my name in the room even if nothing comes from it that's it it's the fact that you put something in someone else's head that might carry on to the next thing 
Absolutely. I cannot I could not have said that better myself. So I was I was gonna before we were derailed about the brilliance that is <laughs> oh, this. We had to book. get that in. Yeah, okay. We had to get that in. Um with this word means a lot to you. You you use yes. it a lot. Resilient is it, it it is a word that you say often. It is the title of your book. Um, it is it is definitely something that you have role modeled. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to just kind of give me a little bit of information around you know what what is what does resilient mean to you? Like I, I mean we have an idea what resilience means, right. right? But what does it really mean in terms of its meaning for you and how it's shown up in your life? So when I think about the word resilient, right, I think about my family, mm-hmm. you know, my grandmother who raised us essentially on a modern day farm, yeah. right? Um, I think about my mother and the challenges that she faced and overcame. Mm-hmm. I think about my own journey. I think about the journey of my community in New Orleans, yes. right? Um, to rebounding after years and continuously rebounding. Uh, and I also realized um, very specifically when people said, we're tired of being resilient, mm-hmm. right? But it's the ability to be it yes. if you have to. Absolutely. And I think that's a characteristic that I hold and a trait that I hold like close to me, that knowing that I am resilient and even though I don't want to have to be every day, when I need to be, I am. Yeah, yeah. So I like the word resilient because I think it connotes that I already exist with it. Like it's not a thing I have to build or practice yes. or learn. For me, resilience feels like it's innate. Like it's in, it's, and, and to your point, when I need it, I can reach in my pocket and pull it out. Right. That doesn't mean I want to walk around with the S on my chest. <laughs> right. Okay? But <laughs> resilience for me, is it's something that's baked in and it's a product of, to your point, like my history, my ancestry, the experiences I've had, the way I was brought up. You know, I grew up in the city of Detroit, the experiences right. that that gave me. Right. So I really, really love that word for that reason. How did resilience play a part in your ability to be straightforward, bold, brave and willing to raise capital? I do think it's about, and even I say this in my title, like how to overcome mm-hmm. anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I do believe that whether or not you're successful or if you aren't successful, a lot of that is driven by your ability to keep getting up after you've been knocked down. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that my resiliency um, to say, you know what, I may be down the day, but tomorrow is yeah. a new day yeah. and I'm gonna bounce back from yeah. whatever trials and tribulations that are thrown at me. Yeah. Cause all this is made up y'all. All the rules made up. It's all made up. And a white man probably made them all <laughs> Listen, up. Listen, <laughs> we are literally playing on made up rules. Exactly. And so I feel like if the rules are made up, then I, I mean, I could win any day now. Right. Really? You know, it's, it's all a game and it's not, none of it is based on anything. It's all an idea. So yes, I love that. Now I want to talk about legacy building. Mm-hmm. I know that's a thing that's personally important to you. And I have seen some incredible things about you. I don't even know how to even capture that in a couple sentences, but like you've started, um, you know, scholarships in your mother's name. Mm-hmm. I have seen you lean into foundations. You have a very vested interest in terms of supporting philanthropic work. Can you just talk to me about legacy building, what that means for you, why you think it's important, mm-hmm. especially for black women? Yeah. So I'll start by saying I have just experienced a lot of great loss. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have as yes. well. And all of my maternal and paternal uh, grandparents have now passed on. Mm -hmm. My mother and father have also passed on. And so I would go throughout college 
feeling very much so like an orphan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about um, all the work that I felt that I had put in uh, in college and I was running, rushing through college because I wanted to come out of it creating a life that I felt my mother deserved, mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to ensure that I could help my mother. And so when she passed away, I felt like that was taken from me. Oh, wow. Right? And so creating a legacy... And when I create scholarships or I was telling someone about um, my future proposal to just uh, renovate and redo the library in my mother's hometown of Hammond, and they were like, oh, where are you going to name it? I was like, oh, after her. Absolutely. Right. To let people know that her legacy and mm. our legacy as a family continues. Um, and I often talk about um, how they have continued to drive me as a person, how they have continued to just invest in me from just the memories that I have and the memories of what they wanted for me. Right. Right. And so... I look at legacy from just that standpoint and the idea that you live on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I love about your description of legacy is it isn't about your children, you having children. Right. Um, I don't want children. <laughs> people who know me know yes. that. Like, <laughs> no thanks. Um, but there are a lot of young people that I care about. There yes. are a lot of, of lives I would like to impact. There are a lot of ways that I want to see the lessons that I've learned show up in the world and benefit others. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about legacy, much like yourself, it's a product of the history that I come from yes. that I want to try to create access and opportunity to others instead of it being about me passing on my DNA. Right. You know, um, I also yeah. just think you never know what you're going to get with a kid, you know? So it feels like a lot of pressure to oh, like yes. save legacy for like, my child is going to be, oh, yes. you know, this incredible thing. You just don't know. And it's so important to the success of the next generation of our generation Mm -hmm. because oftentimes I would walk into rooms as um, a 21 year old 22 year old trying to get contracts etc and I very so much felt that everything was being held for someone's son yes you know oh they got all the help right and I knew that when I got in a position to pay it forward that it wouldn't matter Mm -hmm. if someone had my DNA yeah Yeah. And I think that has to be the way we think about legacy going forward, especially when you think about the impacts of just the planet. Mm -hmm. You know, the world is changing. The earth we live on is literally evolving in ways that can't continue to sustain the you know rate of reproduction. You know, so some of us are going to make the choice to not have children. But that doesn't mean that you don't get to have a legacy. And so I, I love that you. You don't see legacy in that term. And I do think a lot of people do. Um, Even some of our, like, you know, the people we herald, you know, unfortunately, you know, I tend to think that they refer to legacy as just their kids. And I'm like, there's so much more than that. Absolutely. It's a lot of opportunity. I've definitely been on uh, the the receiving end of not getting something because someone felt they needed to go to their child or to someone that they were kin to Mm -hmm. versus like the best person for it. And when you don't, diversify how you are paying it forward Mm -hmm. or thinking about legacy, you are perpetuating a lot of the systems that make it hard for black women to raise venture capital funds, that make it hard for us to get access to C-suite opportunities, Mm -hmm. that make it hard for us to be seen as human when we are giving birth. You know, like all of those systems are perpetuated by the idea that like I am really concerned and consumed with people who look like me or come from my bloodline. So I really think thinking about that in a broader way is is super important. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about your personal life. 
a little bit. So you recently got married. I did. So <laughs> exciting. Best wedding ever. I don't know how you pulled that off and you are still sitting here to talk about it. Um, but you Just are. to have a good time. You listen, know? it was a great time. You did that. Okay. For, never, ever had a time like that. It was amazing. Um, but I mean, you are, you're an amazing friend. You are now a wife. Mm-hmm. I am sure family planning is probably on the horizon. Um, I know that you are a very, you know, powerful businesswoman. You are an author. Please go get this book. Um, you have all of these fantastic things that you have your hands in, in addition to, you know, managing your companies. I, I just want to know how you do that like and not from a balance standpoint mm-hmm. because i know balance is not real no there's no real. such thing as balance Mm-mm. but the, we started our conversation by you know i called and you answered yes you have never told me no i've never told you no and there is an art to that like we've got there takes there's something about being a good friend and also being a good businesswoman mm-hmm. and all of the other fantastic things that you are as well can you share with me some of your tips um, you know, that question reminds me of something that um, Oprah said once. And she said that you can have everything you want, just not everything all at once. Mm-hmm. And I do believe there's a time and place for everything. Mm-hmm. And you have to prioritize things that are um, important to you, as well as just this idea of thinking about what actually brings you joy and what are the things that um, make you happy, right? Yes. Like these are things that I enjoy doing, right? Uh, and so when I think about how um, my year looks or my month looks or my you know my calendar mm-hmm. is, I'm like, oh, this this is this season right now. I'm just like hammer with work. I have to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Or to your point about family planning, uh, my husband and I want to have kids, and so now I am trying to create a calendar or a schedule mm-hmm. that looks to the future yes. and allows us to um, to do that. Right. If it is so, the will. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And so I think about balance as something I agree with you on that it does not, not exist. <laughs> yeah. You try to prioritize as best as you can. And then oftentimes you might drop the ball on things, right? Like I think last year I had, I was like a not a good friend, the best friend. Oh, I would never say that. No way. I get that, but I am like, I'm such a, you know, sending sweet gifts and I love to be, I'm just like a thoughtful person. I love that to be for my friends. And last year I was kind of reflecting in December and January and I was like, man, like I just really like dropped the ball. Mm, I know that feeling. I actually love to send cards Uh and I have not sent cards in like two years. I I, listen, I I do try. I do think you have to try. So maybe that's (laughs) that's the advice folks. You have to try. You do have to try. have to try. Um, but but I, I, I have that feeling as well. Like I I um I am a person who will go to like, you know, Target or, you know, mm-hmm. your local card store, wherever, and I will spend an hour just picking cards. Yes. And then I I have a person in mind when I pick them, but mm-hmm. I also always have a stack of cards. Because yeah. I just think it's a cute sentiment to receive in the mail, like Oh wow, you thought of me, and you never know; it can end up being the perfect time. So I know there yeah. there is some labor to that. So, so I get I, the feeling of not feeling like you hit it. I agree. And then on top of that, it's like you could think about someone, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll think about something. I'm like, oh man, I meant to do that, yes. right? Yeah. And um, so just know, friends, <laughs> you are always in my thoughts and my prayers. Yeah, so. we know. 
we know we had a great time at your wedding <laughs> so we know just how much you think of us we know that you want us to have a fantastic life don't worry yes, we got it yes. trust me and grace is real you it, know it is grace is real. i think grace is a really critical part of friendship it is I, i've i've definitely as i've gotten older but not just older like aging but like more mature in terms of just understanding time mm-hmm. um I need more grace, yeah. you know, and, and not because my network is necessarily bigger, but the way the world is and the way I am navigating it and the things that are on my plate and the way I am thinking about my life in all of those spaces mm-hmm. has evolved. And so, you know, where I could, you know, kind of pop up and make my day as I, as I had it. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, you've got a business to run and you want to be impactful there. And you've got, you know, all these relationships that you want to be a part of. And so there's some deliberation that does require some grace because it's easy to fumble kind of, you know, and I, I need yeah. y'all to forgive me exactly. for sure. Exactly. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this question. Well, let me ask you this first. Do you have anything you want to tell us about that's coming up? Um, so this year, so last year, and to me, one of the reasons why I felt that I wasn't as more involved in my friend circles, I feel like I usually am, mm-hmm. is because I was so heads down in work, trying to raise around and drive market. Um, and it, to me, in many aspects, was kind of like raked over the coals in the process of doing I get it, it, right? Um, my husband said, you know, the two things that bring you sadness I've seen is, you know, your mother and her passing, uh, but also this raising this capital in this venture yeah. world and, and this work stuff, yeah. right? And so I think for me, the future looks more aligned to what I see for myself, mm-hmm. right? And taking a step back and bringing more of the things that bring me joy into play and being able to just like take my time. I love that. I love that. I think, I think taking your time is essential. I also think that you've earned it. We had a Thank small chat friend. before the the, the, the camera started, and I said that to you. You've earned it. You've but some earned people it. Don't think, you know, some people don't realize that because I think that the weight of me um, kind of being in the spotlight, particularly around like tech and venture capital and being a black woman um, to break these records, is that people are almost like betting on you in a different mm-hmm. way, right? And I was like, oh, so she's going to do it, right? She's going to be like the one to do it yeah. and then you carry that weight on your back and your shoulders mm-hmm. even if you really don't want to carry it but sometimes you got to get out the way exactly sometimes you have to get out the way so we can make room for that legacy we were yes. talking about right so i i mean it's i think we can continue to look to you as you know well for me personally as a friend who i am inspired by but also folks who don't necessarily know you personally mm-hmm. being able to look at what you've done and go wow and that will continue even when you, you know, decide that you want to shift directions. And guess what? Whenever you shift directions, that's going to be amazing, too. Yes. Yes. I like what you said about sometimes it's OK to just move out the way. Yes. We got to make yeah. some room. It's like that's I the did way. making some room. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Making room for some wins. Mm-hmm. All right. My final question. Um, this podcast is called Guilty Privilege. Mm-hmm. The reason I called it Guilty Privilege is because I think there are a lot of people who think of privilege as something to be ashamed of or feel guilty about or deny. Some of us are delusional about having privilege (laughs) and I honestly think privilege is something that allows us to show up and make an impact and push forward and so the question I want to ask you is what is one privilege that you have that you refuse to feel guilty about living a good life that's it living a good life what's a good good life life. to you friend 
it's being able to bring my friends to New Orleans for yes. my wedding and saying, I want to give them an experience. Yes. Right. We we going to do this one time, sir. Listen. Okay. So we're going to do it right. And it's being able to like travel. Yeah. Um, I feel that particularly like women in our space, it's like we gotta explain ourselves. That's right. right? Oh, oh, I live like this or I could do this because of X, Y. It's like, you don't have to explain anything. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you deserve a good life. You can live a good life Mm -hmm. and that's okay. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for joining me today. This was great. I loved it.